You're listening to the Concession Stand Podcast on the Orbital Jigsaw Network. From movies and tech to WWE and video games, come let your geek flag fly with your hosts, Nick Howe and Andy Nelson. This is episode number 27, and I'm your host, Nick Howell. With me, as always, Mr. Andy Nelson. How are you, sir? I am great. This is episode 27, my favorite number 27 of all time. Jeremy Roenick, my favorite hockey player of all time. Maybe the greatest player in NHL 93. We'll see, but uh, yes, I'm excited to do episode 27. Jeremy Roenick, and I will give him a Stone Cold salute. I said give me a hell yeah. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Well, <laughs> first and foremost, we have to uh, pay our condolences. Uh, we lost one of my favorite actors of all time this week, uh, Bill Paxton. Yeah. And my, uh, my, my love for him and appreciation for him as an actor, of course, started in Aliens. Uh, but since then, he has absolutely mapped out a legendary career of films uh, as an actor. And it, it's impossible to go through a five-year period without his name showing up in some character role uh, within a, a great movie. Mm-hmm. And he, he wasn't always the leading man, but if you think of films like uh, Twister or Frailty, really, really good films, uh, those are the big ones and the easy ones to call out. But there were a lot of side films. Think of Weird Science where sure. he played Chet. Yep. True uh, Lies. He, True Lies. Brilliant side there was another Character one he was in. Actor bit. Titanic was kind of a big one he was in. That too. He, yeah. Most recently, he was great in uh, Edge of Tomorrow or Murder, Death, Kill or whatever you want to call that movie. Because right. Nobody can decide. But oh man, yeah, it uh, that was a tough one to wake up to on uh, on Sunday morning just before the Oscars. Right. Um, and of course, it was unexpected and uh, an outpouring of just kind words and everything. Nobody had a bad word to say about this guy uh, as as an actor, as as a, as a human, as a father, as a as a family guy. Uh, yeah. It just you know everybody just raved about how awesome this guy was and and it's it's a tremendous loss to the to the film community and and to us as fans but you know he lives forever in in a lot of our favorite movies and that's awesome uh well you and i went to see a movie last week it did uh one that i produced and had a little cameo in and shot yeah funny enough um i'm 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 curious to i've talked about it the last couple of weeks i'm curious to you haven't really given me your feedback or your thoughts and i think you've been holding on to it for the show and i'm anxious to hear what you thought i uh i was very impressed for for what you guys did in eight days and then to uh to run around la and with limited resources and again this is this is 10 years old that, yeah. that you made this and it's finally come to fruition. I was just very impressed with, with the, the end product and uh, the script was great. The characters were great. Um, it was, it was a, it was a good time. I enjoyed it. Um, it was fun to see you play a, a drug dealer <laughs> or, or <laughs> a dr- surgeon, a surgeon, yeah. surgeon who also like the very Tony Montana of you, but uh, yeah. Could you tell I was channeling the Alfred Molina? Yeah. Yeah. From, uh, yeah, yeah, Boogie yeah, Nights yeah. 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 Now that, now that you yeah. say that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. So uh, I was just missing the little Asian kid with the poppers. yeah um but yeah uh uh, kudos to chris as well i mean it's it's i mean at the end of the day you've you've got a movie and and nobody can take that away from you and and it's a cool thing to see your name on the screen because you haven't seen that yet and i bet that was a lot of fun and you saw yourself on the screen too which is kind of interesting it's awkward uh, it's always awkward but yeah Uh, yeah uh i I, i'd recommend it uh did you what what did you think um I, i had not seen this cut chris had taken another swing at it we it's it's gone through about four or five different iterations over the years 
uh, some we've worked on together, some that he's done himself. But uh, it's been about five years since we've even touched this, right? So when he let me know that he had another cut and it was going to the festival, I was like, oh, okay. So I thought it would be something similar. It was he had added a whole bunch of stuff that I had not seen and cut it together in a way that the story got told in a much better way. So kudos, Chris. Uh, I, I think you did a fantastic job. Uh, best of luck finding distribution um, or something else for that. So I, I'm anxious to see what happens with it. So on Sunday, there was this big award show. When You know how much we love award shows, but, mm-hmm. it, but we can't not talk about it, especially since we had a contest going. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, yeah, the Oscars. Uh, what would you think? Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's, it's kind of eh, yeah. it went for four freaking hours. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think it clocked in at one of the the longest run times ever. But uh, you know, f- two and a half hours in, I'm going, Jesus Christ, we haven't even gotten an actor or anything. It just get to the big awards. Yeah, That's what we're it, here for. I think it took them like 34, 35 minutes to get to the first supporting actor award. And Jimmy Kimmel's trying to make the Jimmy Kimmel show out of the Oscars. And he's dropping candy and he's doing mean tweets and all. And I'm just like, guys, that's not what we're here for, uh, you know. And and it shows because the ratings have reached a nine year low um, of of people just don't care. They're not going to check in for four freaking hours to hear thirty minutes of awards. Yeah, that that they cram into the end to make people watch all that other stuff. So that's my little side rant about it. Aside from that. Um, it's actually official now that Suicide Squad has more Oscars than Rogue One, Hell or High Water, and a whole myriad of actors and directors and talented people in Hollywood. Yes, Academy Award-winning film Suicide Squad <laughs> oh, no. has more Oscars than uh, Harrison Ford, David Fincher, David Lynch, Cary Grant, Greta Garbo, Samuel L. Jackson, just to name a few. I think Stanley Kubrick as well. So, Kubrick is in there, yes. Yeah, so... Uh, what does that say about the awards thing? I guess it's not a uh, it's not a celebration of who's like I don't know, but it's it's just it's disappointing to say something like that. As much as we hated that movie, that it's now an Academy. And yes, it won for makeup and hairstyling. Uh, the Killer Croc makeup, awesome hairstyling. What you put a couple of pigtails on on uh, Margot Robbie, yeah, yeah and, and throw some blue and red in it. Oh, that's hairstyling, and I don't want to. Uh, discount anything that those guys did but yeah um the other thing obviously about the oscars is the big mix-up at the end i'm going to say that the nintendo switch had something to do with that uh uh just like they did with the super bowl of course uh, there was no commercial to sort of preempt that but uh yeah real quick on the on the on the uh the mistake at the end uh i've done award shows and uh there's there's a protocol and envelopes and um a lot of people immediately thought that it was the stage manager's fault. And those are the guys like that. I do that kind of thing where, you know, you send people in from the wings and cue them out and all that sort yeah. of thing and make sure they have the right props. And But in this scenario, uh, PricewaterhouseCooper, the accountant people have come out and said it is completely their fault. So they, they have two versions of the envelopes, one on each side of the stage. So one stage left, one stage right. And there's an accountant that, that is holding those. And he makes sure that they supposedly hand the right envelope out to the person as they go out. Okay. So Warren Beatty goes out and he opens the envelope, but what he did was he opened the envelope, which was the second envelope for Emma Stone, who won best actress Uh, and she won for La La Land. So when he opens that up and he kind of was weird and I thought he was like drunk or something, he might've been, but um, he says, uh, and he looks at it kind of funny. Like he's creating like some sort of suspense, like in a funny, like, look at me, I'm Warren Beatty and I'm just going to make this fun. But Mm -hmm. then he says, La La Land. Then he hands it to Faye and, and she looks at it and she's like, huh? But like, so he says La La Land, which, the envelope that's handed to him says La La Land in it. Now, it's weird that it says Emma Stone because she's not a producer on it, right? Right. But he says what's on the envelope. He's not wrong. And then you see these people rushed from the side. And, and I mean, they went in, uh, a, what, a good minute and a half before we figured out that it was Moonlight. You saw and, the headset start and walking kudos, in. And kudos to the producer of of uh, of uh, of La La Land. I forget Jordan his, Horowitz. Yes, I forget it. Yes. 
that he was completely gracious and said, this is a mistake. You guys won, and he was very like he humble. snatched the card out yes. of Beatty's hand and goes, yeah. "Look, here it is." Yeah, and, then, and that's it, turned into a meme. By the way, people have whited it out, and they've, they're putting whatever they want to on the card. Yeah, it's hilarious. It's just uh, it's you hate to see something like that happen, um, but you know it, 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 it takes, worked out well. It does. It takes away the moment for Moonlight. To be honest with you, totally. and, and that's and I still haven't seen it. Uh, I will now that it's the best picture winner. Um, it's just, it puts a black eye on the whole thing and then, but, or does it create like this buzz of like, maybe the ratings go up next year? Cause like, what are they going to mess up this time? You know, I, I don't know, but it shouldn't be that way. Those wacky zany kids. What are they going to do next time? Yeah. You already said that the ratings released, uh, reached like that nine year low, but it's still the highest rated award show of all the millions of award shows that we like or don't like. Um, the other thing that I thought was interesting, the takeaway, Fantastic Beats, or Fantastic Beats, that's a new headphone by Dr. Dre. <laughs> um, Fantastic Beasts wins the, uh, the first Oscar for the Harry Potter anthology for, I think it was costume design, right? Uh, I think it was costume. So and- of the eight other films in the Harry Potter universe, of right. all of these movies that they made that made a bajillion, which is our, our copyrighted number, yes. money, uh, dollars. We're going to have orbital jigsaw currency <laughs> yes. measured in the bajillions. Yeah, bajillion coins. Bajil- bajil- kind of like Zimbabwe, where they have to have like 100 million equals a yeah. dollar. I'm shocked that it hasn't won anything up it, until this too. point. But good job, Fantastic Beasts. Great costume. Good job, the costumers, all right? Sure. Uh, you know? As if the costuming for Harry Potter hasn't been brilliant this whole time, exactly. right? Somehow it's exactly. just, yeah. this new one shows up. So to con- congrats to J.K. Rowling, the whole team, and everybody for that. So, uh, yeah, that was a good highlight for, for me to see them finally win something. Hey, let's talk about some more TV and movies. Well, David Fincher is bringing another property to Netflix now, and I have to say I'm pretty excited about this. I'm generally a fan of his in anything that he does, uh, but he's doing a new crime drama, FBI-based crime drama called Mind Hunters, which is based on a book from the 90s, uh, the same name, where it's basically telling the story around um, these FBI guys in the late 70s solving these bigger serial crimes. Right? Cool. Uh, I'm in. Uh, I don't I don't have much more to say about it. It's David Fincher. It's an FBI crime drama doing serial killers. I, sold. Yeah, he's, he's never done anything with serial killers before. Right. Yep. <laughs> um, so yeah, and the fact that this is going to be on Netflix means that it will probably all be released at one time, much like House of Cards, Orange is the New Black, and Yay! we get to watch it all, binge it to our life's content. I'm working for Netflix today. They're doing everything. I mean, it's it's crazy. Uh, they had an awesome trailer during the uh, Oscars that caught all of us by surprise, and I thought this was a movie that was coming to theaters until I see at the end of it. It says Netflix. Boom. boom. Right. Yep. Will Smith. Swords, aliens, all kinds of fun stuff, right? Or whatever, or vampires. I don't know what they were, but this movie is called Bright. Yep. And that's all I can say about it. Yeah, it, it's it's another $100 million feature uh, that we saw. So we, last week we talked about the Scorsese yep. gangster movie with De Niro and Pacino. Now we've got Bright with arguably one of the most high, highest paid, most talented actors of, of all time uh, now coming to Netflix as well. So now you got Scorsese, De Niro, Pacino, Will Smith. What's going on? <laughs> I don't know. But All coming over to Netflix. So yeah. I think what we talked about last week is really starting to sh- to bear fruit, and uh, I think we're going to see much, much more of that from all the different streaming services. As far as the trailer goes, I'm in. It had sci-fi. It had horror. It had uh, psychological thriller elements in the trailer, and I had not heard a word. Me neither. I mean, just nothing about this until the, the Oscars, and I was like, wait. This looks awesome. What? Oh, it's Will Smith. What? This Netflix. Yeah. That was kind of my. That was kind of me <laughs> yeah. during the trailer. So like what is so yeah I'm excited about that uh, and then and then something happened this week that I 
did backflips and cartwheels all through my apartment <laughs> and ran around like one of those wacky flailing arm guys through my apartment a couple laps. We got a new Alien Covenant trailer. And let me tell you, folks, this is going to be probably... This might be Ridley's best movie since the original Alien. That's a bold prediction, but okay. Woo! I mean, he recaptured all of that atmosphere. It gave us all of the xenomorphic elements from the Aliens universe that we actually want. Not all that bullshit that Lindelof wrote about in, in Prometheus. We're going to get xenomorphs. We're, they're actually calling them neomorphs Ooh. now, which is an interesting twist as an evolutionary step. You get eggs. You get face huggers. Yay. You get a spaceship. They do show the ship that left in Prometheus at the end crashed on whatever this new planet is. Ah. And in a special prologue featurette, you see a new version of what's called The Last Supper, which is where John Hurt had the chestburster pop out. Uh, they have their own version of it, and it's allegedly, it's speculated that this is the original set of colonists going to colonize LV-426. Awesome, okay. Where this, the ship has crashed, right? So, they haven't told us all that stuff yet, but this is my own kind of uh, research and digging in and speculation around it. I have personally stayed away from this because I, I'm kind of going, I want to do a blackout on this one because I'm so excited about it. But I don't know how long I can do this. I mean, we're we're a couple months away from this movie coming out. Uh, this prologue thing, I heard about it, I think it was like last week that the prologue thing you just mm-hmm. talked about came out. And then now this trailer, I think I'm going to have to to break my silence and check this out. Uh, yeah, it, if it goes back to that alien stuff and not Alien versus Predator and not Aliens versus David Fincher and not <laughs> Aliens versus Winona Ryder, right. I'm all about it. Because that's the universe that I love. That first movie, the second movie, that world. And if we get back into that, I'm all for it. Totally, and I, what I'm hoping is that this delivers on what I've always said I hoped it would be, which is discovering LV-426, where the ship crashed and where they were going to colonize. What I'm anxious about, it's going to be a trilogy, prequel trilogy. So then that leaves the third one. Is that going to be how they build the terraforming and all of that stuff that we eventually see in Aliens? Could be. I've Wacky inflatable flailing arms, man. I'm going crazy. Speaking of going crazy, we're going crazy trying to figure out what's going on with this Batman movie with Ben Affleck. Because last week we thought it was all gone, right? And then literally two days after we recorded the show... Matt Reeves comes on to uh, to Twitter and says, hey, I'm excited to be like a, a part of uh, the Batman. And then Affleck tweets him and says, hey, Reeves, welcome to the Batcave. Can't so, wait to work with you. Yeah, you know, so it's, it's like we thought this thing was dead, and now it's got Matt Reeves for sure, and Affleck is okay. We'll see if this is going to last more than a week, but... Yeah, completely opposite of what we were talking about last week. Totally, and I I stand by what I said last week. It's just I don't think we need another standalone movie. I kind of think it's a waste of time. They could be spending more time doing more uh, DC Universe, uh, DCEU kind of stuff. But I, I okay, more comic book stuff. I, I'm fine, I'm in. They've got this all mapped out for the next five to ten years of all of these different films that are going to come out. Yeah, and here's the thing. I, we, we professed our love for Batman last week. They can make a Batman movie every year, and I would go watch it. Yeah, totally. Uh, hey, one of my favorite actors, Samuel L. Jackson. What? <laughs> Say what again? <laughs> wants his highest grossing actor title back from Harrison Ford. So apparently he had the title of highest grossing actor ever because he's in everything. Yeah. And then Harrison Ford took it away with The Force Awakens. Yeah. Just edged right back foot. So apparently it's going to be The Incredibles 2 yeah. sequel that is going to push Samuel L. Jackson back course, over the top. That movie's going to make a ton of money. Oh, sure. Of course. 
But is, does it become a game with him and Harrison? And- I don't know what else. I mean, Harrison's got potentially another Indiana Jones movie coming, yep. so that could be... And it's surprising to me that Tom Cruise isn't in this conversation. Like, you would think with all the stuff that he's done and all the big movies that he's been in that he would be up there. Or maybe Keanu Reeves with all the Matrix movies. And yeah. Who knows? But I, it's shocking to know that it's number one. I could get it, but like, just the volume of number of movies that Samuel Jackson is in, it kind of helps his cause. And yeah. Harrison Ford with the two giant trilogies and then also the Jack Ryan stuff. Yep. I mean... And he's done a ton of dramas. We talked about the typecasting stuff last week. When yeah. I listened back to that, when I thought about all the other stuff Harrison Ford has done, yeah, uh, all those kind of psychological thrillers he did in the late 90s and early 2000s. Fugitive? Uh, that made yeah, a bunch of money. Absolutely. So speaking of Star Wars, I read an interesting article this week where Gareth Edwards used a VR... It looked like a PS Vita. Yeah. Where he was driving... Basically what it is is it's a monitor to drive cameras in a digital world. That's so cool. So now instead of just doing a lot of green screen stuff, which you still have to do, and then send that to the VFX shop to get superimposed on top of it, now you can actually live fully in a digital world uh, in a composite and dr- and do camera angles and framing and all of this stuff around it. And it's literally him just holding a, a, a virtual camera and and doing all the camera angles, and he got to do a, a full frame up of of everything that he wanted, right there in Lucasfilm in London. Watching this video, I was just like, "This is next level shit." I don't think we've seen anything like this before. Have we? Have we? No, but it's it's a technology that's been around. I think they used it for uh, I want to say uh, Adventures of Tintin. They might have done some of that stuff with the with the it, it was a, where they created like a virtual set and they were able to move a camera in and. Around. I don't know if there was a handheld thing that they could walk around with. I, I was at a thing at the DGA a couple years ago where um, James Cameron and uh, Spielberg were talking about this technology. Yep. Um, I, I think it's it's not the end of this. I think it's gonna we're gonna start seeing this where. A director can say, all right, um, when the ship flies through here, I want it to look like this. And they'll have like the space area mapped out on a computer, and you could see it live, what you want them to do. And then they'll go back and render it. I, I, the technology is, is well beyond my knowledge. But the fact that you can do it, so cool. Yeah, I think uh, we, we talked a few weeks ago about Cameron making a statement about how he, he wasn't a fan of, of VR because you can't put a camera in a virtual environment. Yeah, I think they might have figured out how. And, and now that I think about it, it was Favreau that did it for Jungle Book Okay, uh, that was using this same technology uh, to make the Jungle, Jungle Book live-action film. Speaking of live-action movies, what about one based on a video game and Uncharted the movie? Uh, in. Been, sold. They've been talking about it forever. Yes. Originally, I think Mark Wahlberg was going to be a part of it. He might have really? been a part of it. Yeah, really. You're going to make this movie about like Indiana Jones, but where he swears a lot? Yeah, maybe. Anyways, so... <laughs> We always do that to Wahlberg. Anyways, uh, they're, 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 uh, Joe Carnahan, the guy that did uh, The Gray and The A-Team and uh, Smoking Aces and uh, whatever his bullets and uh, a strong action director. Yes. Say what you will about The A-Team. I don't know how much of that is his fault, but there you go. Uh, he has written uh, apparently some crazy script, which is R-rated. Yes, which he's very excited to make this Pulling R-rated. No punches. And like the, he's saying some of the craziest action sequences ever. And if it's anything like the video game, those action sequences were like that. Like the, the tank dropping out of the plane and the A team and them shooting out of it. That's totally something out of Uncharted. Yes, I could see that in Uncharted. So if it's anything like that. Great. And one of the points that he made was that there was a, there, it's easy to compare this to the Indiana Jones character and universe, but at the same time, he says Indiana Jones is an archaeologist. Drake is a pure treasure hunter. Yeah, and he doesn't he doesn't give shit yeah. when it comes to that kind of stuff. So that's one of the interesting things that I took away from that article. Uh, Sean Levy is attached to direct it, the guy that did all the United, uh, Night at the Museum movies. Yep. Um, and he also is a, is a producer, if not, I think he might have directed the Stranger Things pilot. Yep. Um, that's a great thing. 
but the big movie that's coming up this weekend that we really want to talk about that we're all, yeah we're really excited about Logan is finally here it comes out tonight yep uh, but it'll be you know wide release tomorrow uh, Friday the third um, we read an article this week about I guess uh, Hugh Jackman has said he's going to retire as Wolverine right. Uh, apparently, when they went and saw the opening or the premiere or whatever, uh, Jackman was sitting next to Patrick Stewart. And I guess there was a moment at the end where uh, he grabs Patrick Stewart's hand, like this is them sitting next to each other in the theater, and they just had a moment together. And Patrick Stewart says, "That's it for me too." So it sounds like he's I'm done also, too. Sounds yeah. like he's also going to retire as Professor X, and that's pretty awesome. Like if we're getting a moment like that in this movie, I don't want to cry in a Wolverine movie, but I might have to. We'll see. Yeah, it's it's a swan song for for both of them and if it's that good and the the reason Patrick Stewart said that is because they want to go out on the high. This this is great news for the film. This is great news for us as fans of seeing that film because it means it's that good yes. that they're willing to to be done completely after Logan. They've told the story of, of everything in between. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now that as the credits roll, they both share this moment. Patrick Stewart shares this moment and just realizes that he's not going to be able to make X-Men movies with Wolverine any with Hugh Jackman anymore. And yeah, it's very easy for that to get emotional. I could see where I'm going to get worked up at the end of it too, knowing that had I not known that going in, it might be different. But now that I do, I'm kind of scared to go see it in the movie theater. Cause I'm going to be like, <laughs> I'm gonna hey, cry. Hey, hey, wait, do you, do you hear that? Do you, do you hear that? What? The distance sounds like a like a plane. All aboard! All aboard! Star Wars train, station. All aboard! Oh. The hype train rolls on, folks. Uh, this week, J.J. Abrams came out and said he thinks. Mark Hamill's performance as Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi is so good that it's going to win him an Oscar. I sure hope so. And uh, that means that, A, he's in the movie for a while, maybe. The only thing that that also makes me worry about is he might die. Because if usually you got to die or have like some sort of like a- affliction to get an Oscar. Uh, but, yeah. He's if, seen it. I know for a fact that J.J. Abrams has seen it. Yeah. So uh, And he liked it. So, there you go. It'll... I could, if that happens in the movie, it will be like a million voices cried out at once and then we're immediately silenced. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> well played. Uh, also, uh, some interesting news about C-3PO. Oh. Uh, apparently, he's getting a, a massive upgrade of more than a million additional languages and what they're calling referring to as codes. Apparently, he did, though, before Episode 7. Is that the idea? Uh, well, kind of. I think the Episode 7, uh, Force Awakens, was a little bit of that. But now they're calling specific attention to it as General Organa is going to leverage C-3PO to do some code breaking. Oh. So now not only is he a translator, he's mm. turned into Russell Crowe in Beautiful Minds, <laughs> yeah. where he's going to sit in a room with a chalkboard and go crazy no I, I think this is a great evolution of 3po's character i think there's a way that he can uh be useful to decrypt some of this futuristic technology and it makes a lot of sense yeah instead of just being comic relief he could actually do something uh but now he's uh, he's, he's fluent in now seven million forms seven million of, of you know give or take a million uh forms of communication <laughs> well hey speaking of robots let's talk about some tech <laughs> Hey, remember last week or a couple weeks ago when you had talked about this Facebook uh, app? You wish they had a Facebook app on Apple TV. It's here. They got and, it. Yeah, and it's it launched, I think, a couple days ago, and we just did a little test drive before we did the show. What are your thoughts? Is it what you wanted? Uh, this is me patting myself on the back over here. Uh, <laughs> it is It is exactly what I 
I dreamed it would be. Not that I dream about Facebook apps, but if I had to envision Facebook doing something on a on a set, it's exactly what I hoped it would be. It's got the social engagement. It's got uh, the videos themselves that people share that upload. They upload themselves. It's got your friends feed right at the top, front and center, which is going to draw everybody in. And underneath that, it's also got all of the live of uh, Facebook live videos and streams. Uh, shows you whether they were live or recorded earlier. Um, it's got all of that stuff going on. It's also got suggested videos for you based on things, the pages that you like. So all of that video stuff that's been in your news feed, whether it's people hurting themselves in videos, <laughs> which I'm a sucker for, or whether it's you know live feeds of your favorite celebrities or you know movie trailers and things like that, it's all on your Apple TV now, and it's perfect. I wouldn't change a thing. To be clear, this is not a Facebook app for the Apple TV. This is a Facebook video app. So imagine if you're on your Facebook feed, if you just had an app that was just the videos. Yes. That's what this is. And it's 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 got a perfect interface. Yep. Like you said, I, I and I don't go to Facebook as much because I can't stand watching all these videos of people. But now, since it's so streamlined and it would just be my friends, I might have to take a look at this. I, I've always said I would watch a lot more of the videos, if, the longer videos on Facebook, if I didn't have to sit there and stare at them on my computer and, and basically or your phone. debilitate my ability to use my phone or, or computer. Now that it's on that, I, you can almost just put that on in the background and it'll just continuously play through all videos while you're working on other stuff. Nailed it, guys. I mean, two thumbs up for me. If you haven't seen this yet, if you're a big fan of the Facebook videos, definitely grab this for your Apple TV. What's interesting is I'm wondering if this is going to come to the other platforms as well, such as uh, Amazon Stick, uh, Roku, or all of that stuff. PlayStation, Xbox, all of these totally. consoles could have it too. I mean, they already have Facebook's app, uh, Facebook apps on them. Uh, I think this is a direct competitor to YouTube. The interface is very similar. Big time. Um, but this is, again, back to that stuff you've been talking about. They want to keep people in their app. And if it's not on the phone, it's not on the tablet, now we're getting into your TV. Yep, totally. And, and th- look, there's been a lot of controversy around YouTube in the last year um, from the po- most popular YouTubers down to anybody. People that are streaming, people that are making video vlogs every day. Um, they're not getting, they're losing subscribers. There's all kinds of stuff going on over at YouTube. If Facebook could offer them an equivalent platform that was easier to use and monetized the same way, it's not far off from, I don't want to say replace YouTube. Oh, but God, that's impossible, right? It, it could definitely put a dent in YouTube's numbers. And we've seen uh, YouTube's, we talked about this a week or so ago, uh, YouTube is now allowing you to, to do live broadcasts from the app on your handhelds, on your phones. And I, I think that's indirect answer to this. So it's going to be interesting to see how these two leaders uh, make their make their swells in the in the landscape. Speaking of leaders, uh, I'm going to use the leaders of liquid. Uh, Amazon Go stores. Remember when we talked about that? These stores that like have robotic shopping carts and or, or no shopping carts or whatever it is. Yeah. Apparently. These ghost stores will sell beer and wine. Well, how is that possible? I don't know, but I guess if I don't know how you do it, and is there an associate that comes out and checks your ID or something? But like, can't can't some kid grab like a a, a Colt forty five and drop it in his virtual shopping cart? Or <laughs> uh, does the app do face recognition to check ID? No. the The answer is there are going to be associates there checking ID in the stores that do beer and wine purchase sales. So. It just it makes me think of like facial recognition, like right. when, when Teen Wolf goes into the thing and like, give me a keg of beer. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. the Amazon phone's like, yes. looking at him, it's like, oh, he's got a beard. He must be an adult. Uh. <laughs> uh, I think that's going to be great. Uh, I'm interested. To, they're still only doing the one store in um, 
in Seattle that I know of. I don't know of any other stores that are out there right now. Sure, but I'm, it's just the beginning. It's, yeah. it's going to happen. Um, one more thing. Uh, Walmart is apparently trying to compete with these guys, finally, as yes. far as the free shipping thing. What did they do? They did something like, I think they're doing free shipping on any order uh, over $35. Right. Free two-day shipping. I think Walmart is really trying to, and I bought some things from Walmart on, uh, Walmart online, and there's there's not a Walmart near us. Uh, no. I think the closest one is like Simi Valley for us, but... but um, um, I think they're trying to get into the the instead of the brick and mortar thing. I think Walmart's really trying to make their way into the, um, uh, the digital the, space, the digital yep. space, and, and using their their massive because they are a giant warehouse as well. They're just not one. It's it's multiple warehouses everywhere, and, and the amount of uh, product that they move um, in physical stores is now going to be easier to get and f- cheaper to get without totally. the shipping through them. And to as a direct answer to that, Amazon was like, "Oh yeah." Amazon brought back their non-Prime free shipping, free two-day shipping for orders over $35. Because they used to have that before Prime was a thing. Remember that? If yeah. you spend 50 bucks, you get free two-day shipping. Now that, that, so now that Prime is so prevalent, people haven't really needed that anymore, so they kind of scrapped the program and just steered people towards Prime. Well, now that Walmart has come out with their thing, they're like, yeah, we brought it back, whatever, <laughs> $35. You spend 35 bucks, yeah, free two-day shipping, whatever. Sure. <laughs> so now... That kind of just undid Walmart, but I think more companies doing that stuff breeds competition, and I, I love that altogether. We're also getting some competition in the standalone speaker sort of like uh, home assistant thing, which we've talked at length about, Alexa mm-hmm. and the Google Home Assistant. Apparently, oh, but this one is special. Though. All right, what do you got? Uh, this is Cortana, Microsoft's Cortana. Yep. Uh, released what's known as an SDK, a software development kit. Oh. And this is somewhat like a, it's not the source code, but it's a gateway to access the the hardware and the internals of the device, yeah. right? So when Microsoft Windows has a Windows SDK, they're not giving you the source code of the operating system. They're giving you a, the gateway to use things that are in that, right? Same thing applies here. So in December, this past December, 2016, uh, Microsoft released a Cortana SDK, and this includes Windows 10 and all the, uh, the everything that's in Cortana, right? Well, what has happened off the back of that is Harman Kardon has made a standalone speaker that has Cortana in it. Aha! Uh-huh. So they're not Microsoft isn't selling a Cortana speaker, much like the Echo or the Google Home. Okay. But what we've gotten is now you've got a scalable set of third parties that anyone can come out with these speakers that have the assistant software in ah. it. Very, very clever, Microsoft. Yes. And I say that's probably going to be with the integration of Cortana, much like Siri, Cortana spans the entire Microsoft ecosystem, yep. especially the Windows 10 universe, right? And with the stuff with the surfaces, the mobile phones we've, we talked about last week, uh, and now this, this home assistant that... Not just Harman Kardon. They don't have anything exclusive. Yeah. Any, any speaker manufacturer could be JBL. Could be Polk. It could be anybody. Sure. Yeah. And, and I will say that Cortana has been a much more exp- um, enjoyable experience the little bit that I've used it than Siri. Not quite there with what the Echo uh, and Alexa is capable of, but Cortana's got a lot of potential there. So watch out for Microsoft. They're always very sneaky about doing an end around and coming out ahead. Of everybody. They're doing this today with Windows, the Surfaces, even in the cloud with Azure. They're doing this to go around AWS, Amazon's. So I, I would not be surprised if they do a full end around here with Cortana. Speaking of end around, it looks like SpaceX is going to take an end around the moon. Oh, sign me up. I would go tomorrow. Yes. Dead serious. Apparently, they're going to offer a, a, a free rocket ride. <laughs> if you like an to, Apollo 11, or not I, 11, I don't but know. 13, but I guess. Two private citizens apparently get to go on this thing. Do you know what the cost is for a private citizen to ride in this thing? $10 million. More. Uh, okay. It doesn't matter. Then. $35 million. Oh, my God. And how many people are they going to be able to take? 
Two. Two private citizens. But everybody else, it's like, you know, the pilot and whoever. Oh, they're like, actually going to send astronauts. They're going to send astronauts. But hey, if you want to take a ride with them, too. So like, it's, it's not just a, a remote-controlled Falcon you, 9 rocket if you shooting you around. Yeah, if you want to be passengers, you can go for $35 million. Oh, God. Uh, okay. I don't know any multi-millionaire billionaires that would want to do that risk their life doing that because they've got it made. Uh, Richard Branson, maybe. Of course, he, 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 might would, he would do it. Of course. Yeah. He probably has his own rocket ship uh, <laughs> made out of gold. Well, they do have that low-gravity yep. commuter jet thing. Yep. A little bit closer to home and along the lines of the Elon Musk uh, SpaceX Tesla people. Apparently, he's building a staff roller coaster to shuttle them around the Tesla and SpaceX offices. Uh, amazing! Elon. Amazing! Elon, you continue to amaze us. Uh, first, you're, you're digging holes in, in, in Los Angeles and giant ditches. Uh, to do tunneling, yeah, and now you're putting roller coaster commuters within yeah. your giant ma- uh, manufacturing plants. Yeah, I'm gonna go to the break room. Click, 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 I swear, <laughs> Elon Musk would be the perfect Bond villain. Yes. I've been saying that for yes. a couple of years now. Uh, just with all of the dastardly things that he's doing, right? I, I, this guy is leading a forefront of technology right now. On a serious note, that has not been seen. In a really, really long time, yeah, I, he is going to go down in history as one of the greats. Oh, for sure, uh, up there with um, Da Vinci and Galileo and those guys that are leading the charge, let that led the charge to exploration and all of these inventions and discoveries. I mean, look at all the things they've got going on right now. I mean, you get Hyperloop, the Falcon Nine self landing rockets. They're sending up one every two weeks. Uh, it, it's amazing. Tesla revolutionizing. The auto, auto industry. Auto industry, really disrupting it, truly. And now taking it a step further with uh, Solar City, with solar power, mm-hmm. home supercapacitors, all of these things that are, that are going to... He will go down as one of the, the absolute legends of science. And he's and at the end of the day, he's just trying to make the world better, yeah. which the motivation behind that is pure, it is admirable, and I can't wait to see... I just hope I'm alive for to see a lot of these things actually come to fruition. Yeah, no kidding. And you know what? There's a lot of things coming to fruition in video games. All right, so I feel like there's like a there's like a, a spring like renewal, like a, a spring whatever every single year. Like after the holiday season happens in video games and all those big games come out, it seems like uh, early March, April. I don't know if this is like a, a, a strategic thing because people have finished playing right. all those holiday games. That there's always a bunch of big releases. Uh, late March, early April. I don't know if it's a fiscal thing or I, I don't understand the business side of it, but look at what's happening this week. We've got Horizon Zero Dawn, which we'll talk about in a second. We've got the Nintendo Switch coming out. Uh, we've got Mass Effect coming out this month. We've got uh, MLB The Show, which is a big one coming out this month. Uh, there's a lot of big big title games coming out in this March thing. Then we'll have a couple of months of like just a reprieve from that. There'll be a couple of summer releases, and then we're right back into the big holiday time. Yes. Um, Let's talk about Horizon Zero Dawn. I played a little bit of it. You played a lot of it. I played a lot of it. I got sucked into the wormhole. Um, I thought I would go through the intro scenarios uh, for an hour or two and get through that stuff and get established. Uh, What ended up happening was uh, the discovery of everything that we've read up to this point being absolutely true. Well, that's awesome. And what I want to do here is basically I posted this on, on Facebook last night. And it's one of those things where I I don't know any other way to say it differently, so I'm just going to read this. It really is the perfect mashup of open-world action-adventure RPG styles. You can tell it draws on inspirations from other MMO and RPG titles through crafting, side quests, combat system, epic landscapes, lore storytelling. 
Uh, I mean, it, it does bump up against what the PS4 is physically capable of because you do get some artifacting and some screen tearing. And for the record, I'm, I don't have a pro right. with the upgraded 4K stuff, just a, a standard PS4. But you can see that it's it's so good, it's so powerful. It's bumping up against that. But I bet, like on a fully rigged PC with all the settings maxed out, it looks. I bet it looks incredible. It still looks incredible on the 60 inch plasma. The colors and everything are amazing. Without giving any of the story away, that's kind of where I want to leave that. But I will say that this is definitely, I would give it more than a 9.3. I mean, we've seen other places give it 9.3, 9.5. To me, they've harnessed all of the best things of of Skyrim, of Uncharted, of Warcraft, of all of those things that we love and really mashed them together in a great way in a weird, futuristic, Norse, Native American kind of thing that I don't know... I don't know any other way to describe it. I am absolutely in love with this game. I played the very beginning uh, where you, you meet the character as a baby for the first time, Alloy or whatever her name is. Aloy, yeah. Aloy. And I got out of a cave, and then I got to a thing where I'm walking around and trying to sneak around some metal dinosaurs, which was awesome. And that's as far as I got. I've been working a bunch this week, so I haven't had the time to really sit down and play it. And, of course, who knows if I will based on what's happening tomorrow, which we'll get to in a second. Um, the other thing I did, uh, I played the, the Ghost Recon Wildlands. I don't know if you got a chance to. I did, too. I liked it in a way. I feel like it has an uh, an end point to it. I feel like it's going to be the division all over again. Yep. You're going to run around and collect all the things and get your gun upgrades, and then suddenly the game's going to end. You're going to have to wait for some sort of expansion to fight some new drug lords. Um, I did play it with uh, with with some friends, so th- that element was kind of cool. I like the fact that I could shoot a dude and then jump in a helicopter and fly over a mountain and land somewhere else. That was cool, but I just don't see like a long-term uh, life of that game. I don't think I'm going to buy it. I think I'm going to rent it. Yep. Uh, I don't think I'm going to do... I played it for about two hours, and I'm done with it. Uh, it's one of those things where it feels clunky. And, and full disclosure, I know it's a, it's a beta, beta. Yeah. But this far along, it sh- I, the, the controls shouldn't feel clunky, and the car shouldn't... The car, there should be some smoothness to the game. The game's out next week. I mean, I it's on Tuesday. You're right. It should, it, should be like, it should be very close to being done. But did you feel these same things, too? It felt yes. very rudimentary. Yes. It yes. felt very old. Kind of lifeless, too. Yeah. But were, that's that's kind of the Ghost Recon Rainbow Six style, where it is sort of realistic, but I kind of wanted a little bit more panache to it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? There wasn't a lot of... Um, motivation to get you into the story at all yeah. it was here jump in this jeep and three of your buddies will jump in and they can shoot from the side and hey there's something go attack it so <laughs> yeah. i did have fun like driving that circles cool. yeah. around these things with my buddies attacking and shooting and stuff like that the helicopter part was kind of fun but I, outside of that i was like okay i'm over this I, this is not what i want or I, you could just go play grand theft auto totally Totally. Or you could go back and play any of the other open world kind sure. of shooters, right? Sure. I, like I said, I, I, I'll give it another chance. Here's the thing I probably won't now that I say that because all the guys that we normally play with, aren't they played it too and they're like, eh. Yeah, that was my reaction. So yeah. if nobody else is going to play it with me, and that's a game that kind of screams like "Let's play together," uh, yeah. And there's another game that yes, I haven't played with you as much as I probably should that won a bunch of awards. Go ahead on your Overwatch hype train. Overwatch hype train. <laughs> uh, season four started yesterday uh, on Tuesday of this week. Um, I will say this: there are definitely some flaws with the way that they're doing skills-based matchmaking. This this continues to be a problem with online multiplayer play because of the ways people can game and manipulate things. Um, I did not come out of the gate as highly ranked as I expected to based on my performance last season. And one can only assume that over six months to a year, you're going to get better right. as much as I play that game. Uh, somehow I got a much lower score, almost a thousand points lower. Wow. And it's weird. So they have changed the numbers, the way that your ranking uh, goes. Uh, but at the same time, it's the, the gameplay is just unmatched. 
I, I just cannot rave enough about how fun that game is to play. And the more people you bring in and get on mic and talk together, it's it's so much better. Um, I, I do have a lot of people that I play with regularly now uh, via on the PlayStation. I wish they supported Max because I've got this big badass uh, iMac 5K with all the topped out settings and everything. But they don't. They did. This is the first game Blizzard's ever released that didn't have a Mac version. So do you think I that's coming? It. Is that I can't imagine I they know. wouldn't do it. They they said it was because of graphics because it does have high end graphics. And then I look at this thing's got more than what my PS4 has in it. So right. uh-huh. doesn't make it doesn't make it Anyway, Overwatch season four is underway uh, across all of the platforms. Uh, I'm going to be playing on PS4. You guys can come find me as Crack Monkey if you'd like to play. And I would absolutely love to play with you guys. It won a bunch of awards. Go through that real quick. And there's a new character coming, right? Yes. So it has. It continues to win awards. It's been winning awards since it launched, right? Still not even a year old yet. Still not even a year out of the gate. It won the Dice Game of the Year award this year, and it also or in 2016, and it also won the uh, GDC, which is the Game Developers Conference that happened this last weekend. Uh, it won that uh, over in Germany. So I think that there. Is that to say that there weren't a lot of good games that came out last year? No, there were a lot of good games that came out last year, but I continue to see Overwatch just continue to check off all of these Game of the Year, Game of the Year, Game of the Years uh, across all the different award shows. So kudos to them. That's that's as big as winning a Best Picture Oscar, in my opinion. There's another Game of the Year contender already that comes out tomorrow. Uh, we are literally hours away from the big Nintendo Switch launch. We're not going to talk about that too much. We're going to get it this weekend and, and play it and then talk about it more next week. However... The Zelda game that's coming out is already blown away Metacritic scores, 98%. Everybody's giving it a 10 out of 10 out of 10 out of whatever, right? Of course it is that yes. good. They've had an entire life cycle of a system to build it. <laughs> yes. The last Zelda game that came out was The Twilight Princess for the Wii 10 years ago. 2008. Yeah, yeah. they've had 10 years to build this game. It better be the best game ever. <laughs> Come on, right? Well, yeah, totally. Uh, well, they've had that time to develop the story, but they've maybe only had the Switch hardware to develop it on but it's also for a coming. Years. But it's also coming for Wii U. Originally, it was going to drop on Wii U for Christmas uh, last year, and then they, oh, look, it's coming for the Switch there at launch. It is. Right? That's what happened. There's the, okay. That being said, I am over the moon, or I guess the Majora's Mask, or whatever, uh, ready to play <laughs> this game, and it, we can play it starting tomorrow. Well, hey, we had a big leak happen uh, this week, or was it last week? I'm not sure. I believe uh, it was last week sure. we just it was after we recorded uh some one of the retail stores leaked a trailer or uh some information about the sequel to the very popular very award-winning shadow of mordor right uh one of the biggest titles of the last few years the lord of the rings game the lord of the rings game uh where basically you're kind of aragorn but you're not uh, yeah. I, I, nobody ever figured that out anyway uh had a really great system called the nemesis system for the new kind of combat style got some ray reviews well the leak was the sequel that has been long awaited that people were excited about called Shadow of War. And nobody had heard anything about this. No. None of the game sites, nobody. Unless Hashtag it, out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the, the big thing about this for me is that now they're constructing a whole new ring of power. What? Yep. So if you haven't seen the trailer, go watch it, because if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, this is going to tug on those heartstrings quite a bit. All right. Sauron's back. Oh. The big baddie, arguably the biggest baddie of all time. And uh, it looks like you're going to have to fight through a bunch of orcs and the Nazgul and to get to Sauron with a special ring of power. I'm in. Yeah, they spent, a, try it. they spent a lot of time on the title for this. They really were creative about it. Instead of calling it Shadow of Mortar, they're calling it Shadow of War. Shadow of Wardor? Uh, sure. 
Sauron Strikes Back. I mean, that would have been better. Electric yeah. Boogaloo. I, I don't know. Look, um. the, the trailer looks absolutely amazing. The, the the Nemesis combat system is back, and it's gotten a complete upgrade. Uh, so very excited about that. I played a little bit of Shadow of Mordor. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. It, but it's one of those games. That it's it takes some time. It's tedious for sure. It is. It, it takes a bit of use to, and it takes a little bit of, of time investment. But it puts you in one of your favorite universes of all time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, that, uh, speaking of the backlog, that's one of those that's sitting on the shelf that I haven't gotten to yet. Mine too. Um, but hey, there's there's a chance that in addition to all of these games that we have backlogged on our shelves because more of them keep coming out, Microsoft, this is big, Microsoft is giving developers another shot with their creation studio. Now, not just game developers. They are opening the Xbox development kit to make games, apps, whatever for the Xbox platform and I guess arguably for Windows 10, mm-hmm. if, if it's that's, whatever, that's a good point. to anyone. Yeah. So you could make an Xbox game. I could make an Xbox game. I could make an Xbox app. I don't know if they'll open up the API thing so we can make our own Ishtar Commander or our own this thing that manages your loot for some other game, right? But this is big. It's almost like they're creating an app store or a game store for Microsoft, not just the Xbox, but for their entire ecosystem. That's huge. That could be a big deal. And and where I really see this taking off and being a big thing is... um, one of the things that's made the App Store a, re- a revenue-generating machine for Apple is all of these indie games yeah. that are on $199 or $299. Sure. I could really see this doing the exact same thing, but maybe with some higher-quality games than what you get on iOS or on the, the thing. Now you're getting a full-blown console platform. Holy smokes, what can you do with that? And they're going to have a dedicated section within this new App Store um, called the creators lounge or creators section. So that all of these indie game developers are going to get their own featured area within the Xbox games store, which is great. Instead of like burying it between like battlefront and this and that, you know, and like, Oh, here's uh, this guy's game. It's like, I love it. I love it. Uh, This is the great. This is exactly where things need to go. And frankly, this is kind of something we wanted to lead in, use to lead into what is our main story tonight. To preface this a little bit, we've talked and given GameStop a hard time over the last few weeks, um, arguably the last few months, but um, you told me an interesting story today that made me go, huh, maybe GameStop is still kind of relevant, if that makes sense, for for people that still want discs. So would you share that story with us? With the Switch coming out on uh, Friday and Horizon Zero Dawn coming out this Tuesday, so within the week I wanted to get Horizon Zero Dawn. I have a Switch pre-ordered, but I didn't have one to Switch the game, and I didn't have uh, the Zelda game. I actually had the Wii U version pre-ordered on Amazon by mistake. Oh, okay. So I grabbed about 12 games off my shelf, a couple of 3DS games, a couple of PS4 games, a couple of old Wii U games, some pretty good ones that are still relevant, I guess. I take them into GameStop. They had a 30% plus trade-in credit for trading towards Horizon Zero Dawn. So because I was getting that game, all of those games that I trade in were their normal trade-in value plus an additional 30%. Holy smokes. So by trading in these 12 to 13 games, I got $285 of GameStop credit. That paid for Horizon Zero Dawn, that paid for Zelda, that paid for 1-2-Switch, and that paid for Mass Effect. And I still have... I think forty or fifty dollars in store credit left over. Wow! And um, I and I know you've not been a fan of like the disc based thing. I'm telling you that if you I look at your shelf, I don't know the value of the, the stuff that you would get because your discs are a little bit older. Yep. But there's something there. I didn't spend a dollar. I mean, I did to get all those games originally, but sure. now I've gotten all these other ones for basically free. Yeah, I, I like the way that that works out. And I, you know, I as many games as I do buy, I digitally download them. You guys have heard me be a, a rabid uh, supporter of that kind of stuff, but hearing that makes me go, huh. All those old PS3 games I've got sitting in there that I can't play anymore. Right? Yeah, but those are going to be like a dollar or two a piece, but either way, you can start you know, racking yeah. those up. Here's where we want to go with this. So, 
a number of those games are games that I'm just like, I'm never going to finish this, but it's still got some value, so I trade it in. So what we want to get at in talking tonight about is simply this. Should there be uh, a rental-type system a, 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 similar to what Gamefly does as far as like shipping you discs or a chance to try out a game? right? Mm -hmm. Should there be some sort of digital version of this? The answer is yes, it's actually coming because Microsoft is making something like this, which basically caused us to sort of talk about all of this. So will you describe for the listeners what Microsoft announced this week about their Xbox whatever system? Let's let's really lay this out. PlayStation has PS Now, which is a monthly subscription service to give you access to old titles and indie games, not for free, but for the monthly subscription rate, right? It's 10 or $15 a month. This week, Xbox announced their equivalent to that, which is going to be called Game Pass. Uh, this was a big deal because if, if, if what I've seen from PS Now is any indication of what we could get from Xbox long-term, from Game Pass long-term, I should say, uh, this could be a really big deal with helping people play older games, get through their backlog, and that sort of thing. So they're going to have a $10 a month, um, I, I kind of want to call it Netflix sure. for video games, yeah. but it's all going to be digitally streamed or downloaded. This, the, the thing about the Xbox One is that it is download. You yes. download the, the game to your console, yes. whereas the PS Now, is you're completely streaming it. It's all server-side. You're, you're streaming it over the internet. Absolutely. So continue. Sorry to interrupt. I, I think this where this really spawned this idea to talk about this tonight was the, kind of the Netflix model. And, and I talking about this in the sense of modeling it after the movie industry. So yeah. I think people are quick to jump to, and I'm guilty of this as well, jump to wanting that $10 a month for, I want Horizon Zero Dawn as soon as it comes out. Um, yeah, that's not how things work. So if you look at how Netflix and the other streaming sites do things in the in the movie industry or in TV, uh, with, specifically with movies, you get a, a release that comes out in the cinema. Three to six months later, you get a DVD or a, a Blu-ray release. Yep. And then maybe another month to six months later, it'll show up on one of the streaming sites. So within a year, you've you've from you've gone from the movie cinema to that. Okay, well, let's draw the lines and, and equate that to the video game industry. You get a launch, you don't get it for whatever reason, just like you didn't go see the movie the opening weekend, and then, you know, it's been a year since Shadow of Mordor or a couple of years came out, but I could pay $10 a month and still go play that game? Okay, that starts to get my gears turning when, when this comes out. So if we apply that Netflix model to everything across that uh, this could get really interesting. Let's use an example like Horizon Zero Dawn. We both went out and got it for 60 bucks. So now Horizon Zero Dawn, the studio will be able to say, we sold this many copies of this. Just like we sold this many tickets to this movie. And then I bet in maybe three, five, six months, that will drop to like 40 bucks or there'll be a special on it for 30 bucks. Just like when you uh, wait a couple of months, you get that $30 Blu-ray. It's, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're onto something here with like, like that same kind of business model. So this is all about, just like on the movie side, the video game side is also about patience, right? We have this backlog of games. We are like trained, especially doing a show like this to try and be topical and current. We are trained to be like, we got to get the game right now. We got to play it so we can talk about it. We can play it so we can talk about it with our friends and everybody else is playing it, right? But there's, there's also, also a degree of instant gratification with your friends and bragging rights and all of those stuff that comes in. Perfect example. I haven't played uh, Resident Evil 7 yet. I bought it launch day. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't wait to play it. Couldn't yeah, wait to play it. Still totally. can't wait to play it. I don't have the time, yep. but it's sitting there. If I had waited, you know, maybe until I actually do play it, let's, I mean, I'll figure out when that's going to be. I bet it's not 60 bucks when I actually sit down to start playing it. Probably. That's a great point. So see what I'm getting at? So yep. what I'm saying is, should there be, or can there be some kind of like subscription based something, whether or not it's for new games and maybe it's not for PS3 games or Xbox 360 games. Maybe there's like a certain 
threshold where if you wait six months, it'll show up on, instead of Netflix, it'll show up on this Xbox Game Pass. Game Pass. And you're paying $10 a month, $10 a month, you can have access to the thing. Now, here's the interesting thing about Game Pass as opposed to the Netflix. Game Pass will have a rotating library, meaning that the games that they offer you to download and test will change every month. I love that. And that's smart for them too. And in addition to that, if you like the game and you want to keep it, you can get a discounted rate on it. Huh. Sounds more like Gamefly. It's exactly the Gamefly model. So Gamefly, which I also get, if you rent a disc for a while and then uh, after that disc has been out for a while, they will then let you keep that disc and send you the box for it for a discounted rate. And you get like uh, coupons for sure. being a subscriber for a certain amount of times. Like, oh, you get $10 off of keeping a used game. Like, okay. Well, let's let's talk. I want to save some of that because there, there's more to talk about around GameStop and Gamefly. But uh, there's some other things at play here around just technology in general that are going on. Um whether or not everybody knows it, Microsoft, not a telco, not a carrier, Microsoft has been busy running their own transcontinental undersea cables for high-speed networking. Whoa! Uh, it, it, that's going on right now. It's been going on for a couple of years. Um, they've also demonstrated running Halo in their Azure cloud. What's that? What's an Azure cloud? Azure, in the cloud, like a... a like PlayStation okay, Store okay, or okay, okay, gotcha. Amazon Web Services or anything, okay, any, of the, any of the sites that you use run in the cloud, etc. So they've also, um, with the unveiling of, of Game Pass, now this all kind of comes together. And I think what this really comes down to is, is what you harped on is managing a backlog. And, and this, is, this is where we are as gamers. We are managing a backlog because of what we talked about a few months ago where it was content, content, content. Too much content, too much to consume. Sure. Can't consume it fast enough. You know, it used to be we'd go to a year without a good video game, and we'd have that entire year to play that, and then go off and maybe goof off and do it something else. Now it's every month. Yeah, every month there's a new game. There's three this month that we just talked about. So, I, I guess I want to save this part for the end a little bit, but I have a vision of where I'd like to see this go. Um, but I, we can't get there without talking about where things are currently with the brick and mortars and with the subscription services right. uh, that are currently out there today. The Microsofts, the Sonys, and the Nintendos of the world can, yes, make their disc and put them out in the retailers and get them in people's hands and put things in stores for them to do that. But at a certain point, with all this infrastructure that you're talking about building and having internet everywhere and all of your systems connected to the internet anyways, if you could then download the games, which, again, the disc-based thing is all based on that whole, like, oh, i got to have the physical disc. It's based, we, we've, we've given up on that on pretty much music or getting there on, like, Blu-rays. You know what I mean? It's, it's a matter of time before this video game thing happens. So what I'm saying is, eventually, it's just going to be online. And what are these brick-and-mortar stores going to do? A GameStop, for sure, like when you don't have a disc to trade back in, GameStop folds. What if you replaced what GameStop and Gamefly currently do today with some kind of third-party subscription model where they could still distribute the games and they still had the licenses to distribute the games, and it really does become the culmination of the Netflix model where they're distributing publishers' content? Because that's what they're doing today. They're distributing... The, uh, content from game publishers, from EA, from Bungie, from Ubisoft, from in a, in Microsoft a, Games. Right? In a physical form. It, it doesn't have to be physical. Oh. What if you could have an app on your Xbox that was a subscription service that was the Gamefly app, and you just it, it somehow installed the games and manages your license for it because it's one of the games you have installed. Okay, I agree with you on that, but I don't think for a second that Microsoft or Sony or Nintendo would then say to somebody else, if you're already getting a subscription to our games in our system that we would give it to somebody else like Gamefly. And it that's would, where I think Microsoft is going to pull the rug out from under both of them. And they just did it. And Sony, right? Yeah. Well, they did it in a, in a sneaky way. It's like, hey, here's some indie games and not-so-popular ones that we're going to rotate every month. Sure. What they're doing is piloting the platform. And I think at a certain point, 
might be a year, might be five years. They're just going to open the damn vault, and there's going to all your Xbox games are just going to be there for ten dollars a month. We don't need you guys anymore. We're friggin' Microsoft, and right. we're running cables around yep. the world, or we're Sony, or we're Nintendo, and Nintendo's a big one on this. Yep. So I want everybody. This is why I get excited about this because I can see, I can really see a day where the big guys, the Microsoft, Sony, and and Nintendo, absolutely just. We don't need you guys anymore. Right. Right? It's it's unfortunate, uh, but, I mean, Nintendo Power Magazine had to go away at some point, right? Sure. Um, are they still around? I don't think so. Uh, I, that was one of my favorite things as a kid. But at some point, that stuff ages out and goes away. I think we're going to see the big boys just kick the kids out of the nest and say, nope, we got this, guys. It's under control. Uh, we don't need you anymore. So let's look at this also from the publisher side. So if the, all of this money is just simply come, like like it's it's an Apple model too. Like yeah. here's our apps, here's our you know, Apple movies, and whatever. We have the hardware, we have the OS, we yeah. have the software, and we have the titles. All three of those big companies we just talked about: Nintendo, Microsoft, Sony have all that. And whether Nintendo has the online infrastructure yet, theirs has always kind of been behind the eight ball. Either way, their backlog is one of the most popular of all of them. Oh yeah, you know what I'm saying? Of yep. just their IP titles, right? So. If you gave people like we were talking about ten dollars, like would you pay? Let me ask you this question: Would you pay ten dollars a month to Sony, ten dollars a month to Microsoft, and ten dollars a month to Nintendo to have access to the entire library that's ever been created ever? Up to like let's say because they wouldn't do it for maybe like a year. Let's say they would do it for like okay, if it's a year old, it's in the library and you can play it. Would you do that? Yeah, I would too. I don't know if I'd do all three at the same time, but I would. I would. I would pay thirty dollars a month. And I'd maybe buy one new game a month that I really wanted to play, and then I'd wait a year, depending on... But that's, that's the weird part. The other thing that, that the publishers are doing, so that they make sure that they keep people interested in their games that I've noticed, like look at Overwatch, look at Rainbow Six, look at all these companies that are like, hey, here's a free weekend of our game. That's not like Microsoft or Sony or PlayStation or uh, Nintendo saying that, because they'll say, here's Rainbow Six for free for a weekend. Here's Call of Duty free for a weekend to get people hooked into it. What does that do to this sort of like... This model that we're proposing. The model that I'm that we're proposing here is the right thing to do because it gets all of the the returns back to the game publishers that need it to make the next game. Right. The GameStops and the GameFlies of the world provide a service, but to me, they're skimmers. Yeah. All they're doing is taking a little bit off the uh-huh. top, and it never gets back to the game publishers, and they never see any of those returns on pre-owned sales. Right. So uh, that's my beef with, with those. I, I don't think they offer any value. Yeah. If I'm being honest, they're there to skim the little bit that they can and try to push T-shirts and coffee mugs on you. Perfect, ex- perfect example of the story I just told. So yes. I got $285 in store credit. That went to three or four brand new games. So the publishers will still make money off of those games. However, the $285 in store credit that I got back for those 12 or 14 games, GameStop can probably turn for anywhere between five and $600 if they sell all of them. Maybe, but kind of wrong because are you going to sit there and tell me that if you hadn't traded them in, you weren't going to buy those titles anyway? Maybe no. it's a bad example, but well, you would have bought Zelda Horizon Dawn and a Switch and one two Switch and those correct, would, correct, right? and I would be out two hundred and forty liquid dollars. Sure, that's but that's not the point. That's it, that's your experience, not the game publishers. What I'm and saying, the, and the what, other what side. I'm saying from the other side of that is, so yes, the publishers got that that money somehow because they they sold those games, they moved them off the shelf, whatever it is, sure. right? Because they already paid for that stock. Now the the used old stuff that I brought in, as we've said, is pure profit for GameStop if it sells. That's their business model, yes. and that's unsustainable, especially with the thing that we're talking about. If you take them out of the equation and you make it so I'm only running the stuff that I want to play, I think a world where there's a Netflix of video games, 
per like platform is the perfect way to go. Totally. Are you telling me that you wouldn't pay $10 a month to have access, like I said, to Super Mario Brothers or to... Uh, I would pay more than that. Tech Mobile. Yeah, but that would... It's, and it's there. The infrastructure is there. It's it's so simple. And it costs those companies nothing to put those games back up, right? It's just like uh, hit a button. Those there, games are already any, made. If there's, there's no any exciting entrepreneurs out there, uh, having a meta of all three of those uh, as an app, Gamefly, GameStop, if you're listening... Yeah. Uh, figuring out a way to license digital copies of games uh, and distribute them to each of the platforms as a third party. Uh, now you're not paying $10 a month to three different companies. Now you're paying 40 or $50 a month to one company to get access to all three platforms. That's where that starts getting really exciting. Okay, that actually... That actually like lights a like a, a bulb in my head. Yeah. All right, isn't that what's happening on PC with Steam? Like, yeah, it, it's totally what's happening. So with that's Steam. what we need. We need a Steam for console. They're, 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 but, they've talked about it, but they can't get the licensing. So that's that, that's the big hangout. Yeah. Okay. So there it is. In summation, we think that the gaming world is going to a very much Netflix style thing. The infrastructure is there. The groundwork is being laid. We hope that it goes that as as fans of all these games, which is a chance for maybe us to spend a little bit less money up front to buy these games that are going to sit on our shelf, and then we'll get to them eventually. But we're still paying them. They're still making money. Yeah. Is that what you see? I totally see that. And it, it's to me, it's going to go one of two ways, maybe both. It's I think the best route for the publishers. Uh, and for the platform owners is to do a direct model. Yeah. I don't want to go through two or three different third parties to deal with that. Even though they offer additional services, they're just skimmers. Uh, secondly, I think there's a huge opportunity for a pioneering entrepreneur to come up with a meta service that allows me to subscribe to them, and then they kick down to each of the three different major platforms and the game publishers at the same time, where I could run that app on all three of my different consoles Put in my credentials, much like you do Netflix, and get access to any of the titles that are on. There is a huge opportunity there for somebody to go out and pull that off. And I, I'm not equipped to do it. I don't have the capital or anything, but I would if I could figure out how to do it. All right, so that's our sort of take on that. Uh, speaking of keeping games on a shelf, there is a guy on Oscar night named Peter, I forget his name, is a gentleman from Poland, yes. who apparently, over a three-year period, has played through and completed every single Nintendo Entertainment System, all 714 of them, and apparently he streamed... <laughs> he live-streamed the whole thing? He live-streamed the final game, which I guess was Super Mario Brothers 3, but the three years to literally go through everything and beat it. I, I did go back and watch a couple of the old the archive streams from a few years ago, and he was playing games I had never heard of. Yeah, there's And it was literally his first time ever loading into the game, and he would die a couple of times, And but he literally streamed the entire process over the course of three years. That's crazy. And I, I think the thing that he said took them the longest, and this is something interesting. Like Remember that game, Bases Loaded, the yes. baseball game? It wasn't like an MLB licensed game, right? But he would play through an entire season of seventy-two games, and that's what he would consider beating it. So oh, the wow. length of time that that would take, so that's just one, you know. Sure, and he's a he's a speedrunner too on some of the more popular titles. But what an accomplishment no to kidding. go ahead and beat. Where did you find all seven hundred fourteen <laughs> games? That's the, that's the other thing. I mean, a lot of those are you know uh, collectors items yeah. and worth thousands of dollars. So who knows? Maybe he made side deals to with somebody to borrow a. Uh, I don't know. Could be. Does he have one of the gold Zelda cartridges? Could be. I used to. Yeah. Hey, that gives me a really good idea for the... Lightning Round! Here's one for you. Of those 714 NES games, name as many as you can. Oh, that, I'm going to kill this. I know. That aren't Nintendo games. Like, that oh, aren't Super, shit. That I aren't, can't, oh, okay, oh, so God. that aren't Super Mario, that aren't Zelda, that aren't whatever. So like like Konami games and all that stuff. Go. 
uh, uh, Contra yep. is the first one that comes to mind because yep. you, you said Konami. Uh, Ghost of Goblins. Yep. Uh, uh, why you said no Nintendo properties? Yeah. That's all my mind's yeah. thinking about. Castlevania, uh, Akari Warriors, Mega Man, Commander, Mega Man. Uh, what else? Uh, uh, Kid Icarus. Kid, nope, Nintendo. That's a Nintendo. Uh, Nintendo property. Uh, uh, Joust. Joust. Uh, I don't know if that was ever a Nintendo. I think that was an Atari game. Oh, that was an Atari. But, but that would count if it wasn't. Uh, bubble Bobble. Bubble Bobble. Perfect. They made like name any movie from the eighties. They made a Nintendo game for us, like Batman, <laughs> Lethal Weapon, Rocketeer. Like all of those exist. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. I played a game called Trojan. A lot of Capcom games. What else did you play? Uh, Tech Mobile. Obviously, those were not Nintendo games, and those are some of the most famous. Uh, the baseball games, RBI Baseball, one, two, three, and four. Uh, what else you got? There was one that I used to love playing with my cousin called Rygar. Oh yeah, you remember that one? Yeah, with the guy that he threw, had the like, big <laughs> chain ball thing that he would throw <laughs> yeah. out. I don't know. It was weird. Sorry, I think I threw you off with taking like all the Nintendo titles <laughs> yeah. out of it. Sorry. That, those because those are all the ones that I played Nintendo <laughs> yeah, for. Exactly. Well, hey guys, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, be sure to come over and give us a like. Like on the Facebook page, or just search for Orbital Jigsaw and you'll find us right there. All of these articles that we talk about will be posted over there so you can come and have a conversation with us. And let us know what you think after you listen to the show. Um, also, if you like the show, uh, don't hesitate to leave us a review on the iTunes store. That feedback is really valuable to us. Helps us get ranked. Helps us get more people to come and listen to the show that you listen to every week. Uh, my name is Nick Howell. You can find me over on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I'm Andy Nelson at AndyNelson76. So yeah, like Nick said, uh, we want to hear from you guys. If you have topics you want us to talk about, hit us up on that page. Hit us up on our Twitters. Next week, we're going to talk about the Switch after we've had a chance to play it. So we're excited to let you know how that all goes. Yes, sir. Well, that's going to do it for us this week, guys. We will see you next time. Later. Bang. This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.